Coming up on Transformers University, we've hit the home stretch of season three of the Generation One cartoon. And now we'll cover five more episodes. We'll head to Paradron in Fight or Flee. We'll find out about some Quintesson experiments in The Dweller in the Depths. We'll cross over quite literally into the human world in Only Human. We'll meet the Technobots in Grimlock's new brain, and we'll find out that money is everything right now on Transformers University. Hello, my friend, and welcome to Transformers University. I am your host, Anthony Brucalli, owner, operator, madman behind TFU.info. The website, the toy archive, this podcast, the social media, and so much more. And we are back with another G1 cartoon episode. This time around, we're heading into the home stretch of season three. These aren't the final episodes, but these are like the final episodes before the final episodes. And we're talking about uh, episodes uh, for the season 21 through 25, and overall episodes. 86 through 90. Now, before we get into these episodes, I do have some shout outs and some thank yous to send out to our Patreon students. Uh, in the last month or so, we've taken on uh, a whole bunch of other patrons, which makes me so happy because it got us over our goal of 25 patrons uh, for the uh, duration of a month. So that means uh, I, we have hit our first goal. I am going to go back and re-edit episodes one, two, and three uh, to have full-on video content. And I cannot wait to uh, put those together and show you how those look. And I'm actually excited because I actually have to start thinking through what I did two years ago and uh, how we're going to represent that visually. But I want to give a shout out to uh, Father Paul McIntosh of the... Uh, uh, I think it's a Friars of Halifax. Um, we have a priest that is a patron student. Uh, welcome, Father. Uh, I also want to give a shout out to Kyle White. Uh, he wrote me a very nice message. And Kyle, thank you so much because I couldn't have come at a better time. Uh, I'm glad you're part of the uh, Patreon student body as well. And Ryan Seba, thank you for joining. Thank you for uh, pledging on the Patreon. Now, if you want to be a part of this with Ryan and Kyle and Father Paul, along with a host of other people, uh, swing on by to patreon.com slash TFU info. Uh, and there you will find uh, a myriad of ways to be a part of the show. And, uh, you know, pledges range from a dollar all the way up to uh, uh, $10 and then $50. So there's a couple of different levels between one and 10. Uh, take a look and uh, please, if you if you like the show, if you like what I do with TFU.info, uh, the Toy Archive, the website, this podcast and everything else that goes along with it, uh, please swing on by the Patreon and help me out. Now, let's get into the first episode we're going to talk about. Season 3, episode 21, overall, episode number 86, Fight or Flee. This one is by Tony Sincerapini and Larry Leahy. Uh, this is a team of writers, and this is their uh, first and only episode of The Transformers. Uh, Tony Sincerapini directed a film called Hell's Kitchen in 1998 or 99, depending on what country you were in, if it, uh, where it was released. It was released in Canada first before coming to the United States. It's had uh, Angelina Jolie in it. Uh, it cost $6 million to make and grossed a whopping $9,000. Now, the New York Times, not terribly kind to Tony Sincerepini's film debut. And I'm just going to read to you the first paragraph from the article, if you really want to read the whole thing, um, look up Hell's Kitchen, uh, 1998, on Google. Go to the Wikipedia entry for that, and then go to the uh, bottom two external links. The first one is the link to uh, the New York Times article, and it starts out with this. Watching Tony Sincerapini's debut film, Hell's Kitchen, is like sitting in the back seat while someone drives a car for the first time. The vehicle seems frequently out of control, and the proceedings sometimes inadvertently ridiculous. Before long, 
there's an urge to call a halt and exit swiftly. So uh, the New York Times film critic Lawrence Van Gelder, uh, not terribly thrilled with the film. And uh, overall, I've seen uh, reviews ranging uh, from the middle down, uh, most of them noting uh, how good Angelina Jolie's performance was in this film. Now, Sincere Pini also co-wrote a film called The Lawless Land. From producer Roger Corman, in the aftermath of World War III, it's a dangerous time to be young. Our life is at stake here. An impossible time to be in love. Don't leave me. Just If they catch us, you're going to go home, and I'm going to go to your father's jail. Trust me, Challenged by a man of power. Where is she? It's too late. I'll find your daughter. Good. Hunted by a man of cruelty. Where is she? He's on me. The only way to save their love is to risk his life. I love you, but I'm scared. At the end of the road lies the beginning of vengeance. It's a hellish chase through a world gone mad. In this fast-paced action adventure from Roger Corman, The Lawless Land. Now, that film, uh, he wrote with Larry Leahy. Uh, and they were co-writers on another film called Confession of a Hitman, uh, which Leahy directed. And Leahy would go on to be the script coordinator on uh, Deep Impact, uh, which is the other Armageddon film, and uh, Road to Perdition, which was a comic book film. And currently, Larry Leahy is the writer and producer on a film called Road to Red, colon, Skate or Die. Skate or Die. No, no, not not that Skate or Die. Uh, This one is about a bunch of skateboarders in L.A. that fall into a cavern and then uh, get attacked by a mysterious creature. Um, Which is similar to a different story that we're going to talk about today. But this Transformers story, Fight or Flee, starts off with Cyclonus and Scourge chasing Ares. Called General Akbar, it's a trap. The aerial bots are hiding out in this asteroid field. Uh, they're chased uh, through the asteroid belt, uh, Cyclonus and Scourge, that is. And Cyclonus and Scourge flee into a black hole. They crash on a Cybertron like planet that we'll later find out is a planet called Paradron. And Sandstorm is there? That's weird. But it turns out this planet is peaceful. There are medics there that look like green versions of RC. They would later be called Paradron Medics uh, or Lifeline, uh, depending on which toy you own. Uh, And they attempt to take care of Scourge and Cyclonus. Scourge decide that since this is a whole bunch of nonviolent Autobots on this planet, that they are going to take over this planet. Uh, they radio Galvatron, and Sandstorm tries to rally his people. Citizens of Paradron, I implore you to help me defend our planet from these violent intruders. I think you're taking this much too seriously. Yes, the two strangers just had a little too much energon. They're just misunderstood. Besides, citizens, there's enough energon for everyone. Let us not fight. This is too good to be true, Scourge. Set your weapons on stun. I want them all in working condition. Uh, I thought we were going to have some fun. And I'm telling you, they're dangerous. But Cyclonus shoots Sandstorm just as Galvatron arrives and the Decepticons take over. Sandstorm awakens in a cell and escapes. The Decepticons send Brawl and Razorclaw uh, to chase him down, and they knock him into a crevasse. Uh, He turns into his helicopter mode, and the Decepticons fly to follow him. Among those Decepticons is Dive Bomb, who finds Sandstorm fueling a shuttle. He attacks with his missiles, but the shuttle ends up taking off. Sandstorm had sent out a distress call, which the Autobots in space hear. Sandstorm, when he is found by the Autobots, uh, is able to give some of the backstory of Paradron. Let's hear the story from the beginning. Our forefathers fled Cybertron during the Fourth Great War. In order to find a peaceful planet where they would never be found, they went through the vortex. That's why it's not on any of your star charts. Uh, You just got my interest. 
Why did you tell us they were Decepticons? If you had, we would have been interested earlier instead of later, which would have been better because earlier is always better than later. Is there something wrong with his timing program? So the Autobots agree to go to Paradron, and Galvatron, hanging out with Bruticus, uh, spots the shuttle. What do we have here? I believe it is an Autobot invasion party. I know what it is. Didn't you just ask me what we had here? It was just a figure of speech. Turn the molecular cannon on them! And manning that cannon to shoot down the shuttle is Brawl. Brawl? Isn't he part of Bruticus who was just with Galvatron? All right, but alongside Brawl was Headstrong. It's a really interesting thing in the show is that the uh, individual Combaticons and Predacons seem to be a big part of uh, the cast in this one. They fire and they blow up the shuttle, but it turns out it was a decoy shuttle. And Rodimus Prime, on a moon or an asteroid of some kind, uh, addresses his troops. And in those troops are Ironhide and Ratchet. Yes, they are not dead. They are right there. They're an animation error, but that makes them alive again. So there they are. The Autobots, they sneak onto Paradron and they attempt to uh, free the now enslaved neutral Autobots. But do those slaves want freedom? We don't believe in fighting. You know what the ancients taught us, Sandstorm? Fighting only begets more fighting. The Decepticons are using our Energon to destroy. Believe me, our forefathers would take up arms and fight. We don't have time for this. Either fight or flee. And that's how Rodimus became Superman IV, the quest for peace. Ultra Magnus, Blur, Wheelie, they attack the Decepticon base, and they get uh, caught under heavy fire from a blue long haul. That's interesting. We saw him once before, too, in uh, Five Faces Darkness. Uh, but we have a new plan. The Autobots plan to blow up the planet's Energon core. Their plan, Rodimus's plan, is to blow up the planet. The Paradronians, they uh, flee in escape pods, uh, just like the Spaceballs, and Ultra Magnus, alongside a sandstorm, enter a sacred temple. I've never seen anything this beautiful in the entire galaxy. All right, give me the bomb. They set the bomb, and they flee, and they drive past Galvatron, who realizes that Ultra Magnus is not a coward and something is wrong, and orders his folks to evacuate. Just then, Paradron explodes, and that is the end of the episode. The solution all along was to blow up the planet. And that will take us to Season 3, Episode 22, overall episode number 87, The Dweller in the Depths. And this uh, aired on October 30th, 1986, so expect a Halloween vibe from a story written by Paul Dini. Why does that name sound familiar? Paul Dini, prolific cartoon and comics writer, wrote nine episodes of the original Masters of the Universe, was story editor on Batman the Animated Series, uh, Batman Beyond, and a host of other DC-related shows. Most importantly, he was co-creator of a little DC character named Harley Quinn, and he also wrote two of my favorite episodes of Clerks the Animated Series, the ones where uh, Dante and Randall get locked in the freezer in the second episode and they turn it into a flashback slash clip show episode and the uh, one where they end up going to trial and facing uh, Judge Reinhold, played by Judge Reinhold. Who's driving? Oh my God, Bear is driving. How can that be? Now, in this story, the Autobots have created uh, a new power core to power Cybertron, and they are successful. Out in space, a group of Quintessons are watching. Uh, in particular, this time around, we have a, a scientist, a prosecutor Quintesson, and a weird three-faced uh, scientist Quintesson that we haven't really seen before, and he reminisces about an experiment called the transorganics. Surely you have not forgotten our first experiments in cybernetic construction, the transorganics. Transorganics? Those are only a legend. Not to the one who built them. They were the first attempts at creating a race of subservient cybernetic warriors, half beast, half machine. But 
the process was too unstable, and the transorganics were judged unfit for even simple tasks. One transorganic in particular, originally designed to be a living energy siphon, turned on us, and in the fight, that's when I lost one of my own faces to the beast. Those transorganics we couldn't destroy, we locked away in a hibernation chamber deep within Cybertron. Now they plan to release the Dweller, and they think they've figured out a way to have the Decepticons do it. On the planet of Cha'ar, uh, Galvatron is just busy abusing his sweeps. And uh, the Quintessons, they come by with an offer. And we find out that Galvatron is a little bit of a racist. Why should we listen to you? <laughs> Please, Galvatron. You can't lay one bad experience on the doorstep of the whole Quintesson race. Besides, how can you be so certain we are the ones who betrayed you? Well, you all do look alike. The Quintessons tell the Decepticons about the Power Core, and the Decepticons then try to uh, reach the Power Core through a tunnel. But they are caught by Ultra Magnus and RC with uh, Springer Cup and Rekgar. The Decepticons fight off, uh, well, actually, they stall, is probably the best way to put it. They stall the Autobots and continue down the tunnel. But as they continue on, they begin to think the Quintessons are lying until they find a chamber. The chamber doesn't look like a power core, and Galvatron, in his anger, destroys this stasis machine, unknowingly unleashing the transorganics. And this is a fun point here. Uh, in the early days of Beast Wars, then this is, we're jumping ahead probably. More uh, about 10 years, right? 96, 97. Uh, the big argument in the fandom was do organics belong in Transformers? And it's interesting to note here that if they were part of the show in 86, they've been part of the show since the beginning. And this story of uh, the Quintessons experiment in Transorganics uh, kind of justifies things like the Maximals and the Predacons later on. There's a host of transorganics uh, revealed here. An armadillo with a mace tail, a bear with uh, a spiked maw, barrowplane perhaps? Hashtag make barrowplane happen. You know what to do. A uh, green bird, a giant green bird, I should say. Uh, there's a gorilla with octopus arms, uh, a metal snake that kind of looks like a watch band, and some sort of amphibian with a bear trap on his back. And these transorganics are none too happy, and they attack the Decepticons. Oh, and the Decepticons are losing. The Autobots, they hear the carnage as they continue to follow the Decepticons, and they get attacked by the transorganics. The Decepticons use the distraction to flee, and they stumble into a chamber unleashing the Dweller in the Depths. And this uh, Dweller kind of looks like a Cthulhu-style monster. It's a big worm with a, a sideways maw uh, and lots of teeth and this weird metal backpack and uh, tentacles. And uh, the Dweller captures a sweep and uh, turns him into a gray husk, which we'll find out in a few minutes doesn't always mean that a Transformer is dead when they turn gray, uh, and shoves him in his backpack. He then captures another sweep in a cartoon net, which we know you cannot get out of. And the Decepticons that are remaining flee back into the chamber where the transorganics are fighting the Autobots. The Dweller then comes in and starts attacking the Autobots. Uh, he captures Rekgar and another sweep. Uh, and then the Dweller uh, proceeds to kill the Snake and Gorilla transorganic before capturing Springer, who was trying to save Rekgar and RC figures it all out. That thing drains robots of their power like some kind of vampire. But now the Autobots are caught between the Dweller and Galvatron. RC then gets caught in a cartoon net as she's fleeing the zombies, but Cup to the rescue runs through the net, severing it, and gets turned into a zombie himself. Ultra Magnus and RC, they decide to flee. Out in space, the Quintessons, they're beginning to gloat. And we find out this three-faced scientist wants one thing. 
You will be honored for your shrewd plan once we retake our rightful world. No, all I ask is a chance to destroy the creature that did this to me. You will have it. The remaining Decepticons fleeing are, are now lost in the tunnels. And uh, they're being trailed by the zombies and the dweller. And uh, Galvatron decides to just feed a sweep to the masses. And then... Yeah, be a good soldier. Help him! Galvatron, no! I beg you! They continue to flee. And Cyclonus is caught in a cartoon net. And Galvatron, uh, he leaves him. And we cut back to Ultra Magnus and RC, and Galvatron rolls up on them. Uh, he decides he's going to fight RC and Ultra Magnus, but gets grabbed by the Dweller. Ultra Magnus gets caught in the cartoon net, but RC quickly grabs Galvatron's uh, arm cannon that had now fallen on the floor and uses it to shoot the Dweller and rescue Ultra Magnus. Galvatron is knocked out, and the Autobots leave him as they run back to warn Rodimus Prime and the others. The Dweller flees deeper into Cybertron, looking for the power core. Ultra Magnus and RC, they return to headquarters and inform Rodimus Prime and Perceptor. And just then, the zombie Autobots and Decepticons arrive, and Perceptor has a diagnosis. They're suffering from a unique form of energy depletion, making them into energy leeches themselves. So, what can we do about it? A massive power load should bring their imbalance up to normal. We have to form a chain. The Autobots zap all the zombies back to normal, and the Decepticons flee uh, through what could only be called glass because it shatters. They meet up with Galvatron, and they go to take on the Quintessons. The Autobots fire on the Dweller, and in this... Uh, pile of Autobots firing on the Dweller, there is a miscolored Streetwise that is colored exactly like Optimus Prime uh, to the point where it almost looks like Optimus Prime might be alive again. Uh, but we cut back and Rodimus Prime has orders for Perceptor to jettison the power core, but they wait for the Dweller to attach himself to it and they fire the power core off into space where the Dweller as luck would have it, ends up on the front of the Quintesson ship. It's like the end. And that is The Dweller in the Depths. A fun episode overall. Uh, it's not one I remember watching as a kid, uh, but I love the idea that the organics were part of this Quintesson experiment uh, long before the Autobots and Decepticons were created. Uh, it, it just adds depth to some of these mythos, and uh, it's, it, this is one of the, the, the better season three episodes for that. I also like that there is a three-faced Quintesson, which would kind of make him a Tritison. I don't know. Uh, but it, they don't really show his damaged face uh, as much as they really should. Uh, his face does rotate, but not the same way you would see uh, you know, your standard Quintesson judges where the faces are all exposed. It's more like Manny faces from He-Man where only one face is exposed and the other two are on the sides of his head. And that takes us to Season 3, Episode 23, overall episode number 88, Only Human, by Susan K. Williams. Now, Susan K. Williams has only two uh, TV and film IMDb credits to her name. It's this one and an episode of G.I. Joe. And this is important because this episode um, is basically... A G.I. Joe crossover. Now, if you don't know the long history of Transformers and G.I. Joe and how they are forever intertwined, that's okay. Go check out The Toys That Made Us, uh, Season 2, Episode 2, The Transformers. Uh, somebody you may know might have worked on that episode. But the history of the brands linked together and even just... In the 80s, the success of the G.I. Joe cartoon and comics is what led to Hasbro going to Marvel to try to duplicate that success with a toy line they were calling the Transformers. 
Now, it's fun that we're talking about this here because of a number of reasons. One, just recently I was at New York Toy Fair. If you caught our coverage, Hasbro is relaunching G.I. Joe after a long absence uh, to tie in with the Snake Eyes movie that is coming out this year in 2020. And uh, so there is just that in recent news. But as we continue on in 1986, in just a couple of episodes, we're going to talk about the Transformers versus G.I. Joe Marvel comic. Uh, which seemed like a no-brainer at the time, right? And it's something that has happened in every iteration of the Transformers comic. However, Only Human is one of the few examples of it happening in animation. Now, this episode starts with a human city under attack. Flying cars are crashing because it is the future, the far-flung future of the year 2006. That's 14 years ago. Springer and RC, they start saving people. There appears to be looters stealing something, uh, but we find out it is actually uh, a bunch of gangster thugs stealing on a, a substance called neutronium. And that's not N-E-U tronium like neutron. It is N-E-W tronium, as in brand new tronium. They work for a gangster called Dutch and uh, the Autobots stop this neutronium thievery but as they're doing it and as Rodimus Prime is examining the neutronium Dutch shoots the neutronium in Rodimus Prime's hand making it explode and securing his escape. Dutch and company turn out they're working for another mobster named Drath who has a client and that client is a gentleman by the name of Old Snake. And Drath and Old Snake have a plan. And Old Snake, he might sound a little familiar. Something worthy of my services, Mr. Drath? Or another of your vendettas? You spoke once of a technology your organization had developed. Synthoids, I believe. You could transfer minds from their original living forms to synthetic bodies. Oh, yes. Easily. Does that technology still exist, Snake? Is it for sale? This is the world, Mr. Drath. Everything is for sale. Now, the synthoids that they are talking about actually appeared in two episodes of the original G.I. Joe cartoon. And back at Autobot headquarters, Springer believes he can take down Drath on his own. No offense. I mean, maybe this Victor Drath is tough, but he's still only human. And that's how Springer became Superman for the quest for peace. The Autobots raid Drath's mansion and call General Akbar. It's a trap. The Autobots are defeated, and their minds are then transferred into synthoid bodies. Big farewell to those big strong bodies, Autobots! You're going down the tubes! <laughs> and man, is that Chris Lotta at some of his best doing old snake? And I say that with air quotes if you haven't figured out who it is yet. And they take these Autobots as humans and send them to the junkyard to die in a trash compactor. But before they can be compacted, the human Autobots jump to safety and uh, they find clothes in a uh, shed uh, that coincidentally match their particular Autobot body color schemes. It's like addition ultra magnus is portrayed as the older wiser one how do you know that he's got the gray sideburns like reed richards and paulie walnuts and uh everyone has jumpsuit and suspenders i guess that was the fashion 14 years ago the autobots decide to split up rodimus and springer end up at drafts they get caught and then they have to split up too and rodimus orders springer to go find ultra magnus and rc as he plans to draw away drafts men Cut back to Old Snake, who plans on using the Autobots' bodies as weapons. Rodimus then is uh, getting chased and gets shot in the shoulder. 
and sneaks into a house where he meets the lovely Michelle. Well, aren't you a surprise? Let's dry up by the pool! We don't often get prowlers around here, let alone good-looking ones. Now, Rodimus and Michelle will play a game of Hide the Autobot, and out walking on the street, Springer stumbles on the Autobot uh, test drive, where Drath's men decide to rob a jewelry store. They have trouble transforming Springer's body to get them out of there, and Springer offers to help them escape by piloting himself. Human RC and Human Ultra Magnus sneak into Drath's weapons warehouse, but they get caught by their own bodies. Human Ultra Magnus, he holds off uh, himself and RC while Human RC steals a motorcycle and escapes. Ultra Magnus, the human one, not as lucky. Back at Michelle's house, Rodimus tries coffee because he is totally having breakfast because he is totally slept over. Because he is totally got lucky. And Michelle figures out who he really is. I also want to note here that the Rodimus human character model really does look like Tom Berenger. Uh, you may remember him from such films as Major League and Platoon. And RC, she ends up at the EDC. But the EDC folks, they don't believe her at Autobot headquarters. And uh, she wants to speak to Cup. Cup drives by. She waves. They think she is crazy. And they lock her up. Back at Michelle's place, we find out that Michelle has called General Akbar and led Rodimus into a trap. He's captured. Ultra Magnus is captured. And Drath plans on destroying Metroplex by planting bombs in the Autobot bodies and sending them into the city. Springer, still driving himself, is supposed to drop off the bombs. And in the process, he is also told to take this Polly Walnuts looking human and strap him to one of the bombs. At this point, Springer frees Ultra Magnus and uh, the two escape with Springer's body. And human Tom Berenger Rodimus Prime, he knocks out the guards and fights Drath. The other Autobots' bodies, though, they're headed to Metroplex. And Springer has to repair himself, his body. Uh, and before he goes and joins the others. But those other bodies are still loaded with bombs. And human Ultra Magnus, he's got a plan. Only one course open then. Attack the city ourselves. Make it transform to battle station mode. With this plan, Metroplex transforms and shoots down Springer. And then shoots down the other Autobot bodies. And they are defeated. Drath's men are arrested along with Michelle. And Perceptor goes and reverses the synthoid process. Now, as for old Snake... Poor Mr. Draft. Not quite smart enough, were you? <laughs> they simply don't make terrorists like they used to. <laughs> now, worth noting uh, in this episode, or what wasn't in this episode... There are no Decepticons in this episode at all. One of the few times that has ever happened in this series. And also worth noting, there were a couple of toys made based on this episode later on by the Transformers Collectors Club. Now, the Transformers Collectors Club uh, was run by the same people that ran the G.I. Joe Collectors Club. So they decided to do uh, characters that carried over and crossed over between the two. And they created figures from G.I. Joe toys of Old Snake, Rodimus, and R.C. Sadly, they never finished the set, so they never did Springer or Polly Walnut's Ultra Magnus. Now, fourth episode we are going to cover this time around is Season 3, Episode 24. Overall, Episode number 89, Grimlock's New Brain. This one is by Paul Davids. This will be the final episode, David's will write of Transformers, uh, or as I like to call this episode, Flowers for Grimlock. Now, for more on this one, I'm going to hand it over to my good friend, Gabriel Owens, the Salty Sea Man. Salty Sea Man. 
Hey folks, Salty Seaman here. I got the uh, list of episodes for this uh, installment. Uh, I immediately had to jump on Grimlock's new brain being, you know, probably my favorite uh, combiner Scramble City group is the Technobots. And this is, you know, always fondly remember this as a fun episode in origin. And uh, you got Grimlock in there and, uh, you know, we can kind of go into my, you know, the the. The, the little thread we've had of season three of the, you know, the dumbing of Grimlock only to have it turned on its head. You know, and we kind of start off right away. Uh, yeah, Grimlock has completed the transition, the uh, the flanderization to use a uh, uh, to use a, a term of poor Grimlock from, yeah, kind of a dull witted brute, but, you know, not that far on. He's basically a three year old. Uh, and here uh, he has been given one simple task that he apparently Rodimus showed him five times how to do. We probably should have told Rodimus maybe Grimlock wasn't the best guy for the job. Grimlock pulls a bunch of the uh, the wrong uh, switches on this doohickey that's supposed to be this big power generator for Cybertron. And uh, chaos ensues until the Autobots are managed to get in there and t- turn the right switch. So we get a little bit with Grimlock lamenting that uh, the Autobots think he's stupid uh, he proclaims he is the smartest of the Dinobots, which uh, Perceptor throws a little shade on. Why you think Grimlock's stupid? Me not stupid. Grimlock's smartest Dinobot of all. Unfortunately, that's probably true. Uh, mentions he wishes they had better brains, and Grimlock then uh, threatens, uh, <laughs> basically threatens to put him into a coma, which is, you know, always a good way to show how intelligent you are. Brains? Grimlock know how to bash brains, maybe bash yours. So then we fade into uh, seeing some sabotage about to come on. Uh, uh, Skuxoid and Slazardo showing up again. Uh, they've been, uh, they started, showed up in uh, season two during their brief jaunt into space there. And then have continued to pop up in season three. Uh, in this case, working for Galvatron. And they're putting some kind of rare chemical into... Uh, the device the Autobots are, are trying to uh, create and work on here. Saboteurs Ahoy. And whatever the uh, they're doing with this uh, magic liquid, we, uh, we see Cosmos and Skylinks come in from patrol. They're late for the ceremony, but obviously the ceremony has already gone uh, many ways wrong. And uh, they apparently have been at lost control. And there's kind of a funny scene where you see the Autobots walking into some building and it, it, it really appears they heard them yelling for help, even though a Perceptor has to transform and then, you know, uh, you know, heavily magnify in to see these two guys falling out of, a, you know, a planet with, you know, basically no atmosphere. I mean, I guess maybe it was on their comm links, but it looked like they heard them, you know, they're like they turn around, their heads turn around in the direction of they're coming from. It's just kind of weird. And then uh, the other Autobots start uh, mistransforming. Uh, something is definitely up and uh, messing with their gyros. What should we do, Teletran 2? Shut down the generator in the power core and repair it. If you do not, all Autobots will start glitching so badly, you will all have to leave Cybertron forever. So uh, Receptor determines the uh, source of the glitchiness is deep within uh, the bowels of Cybertron. He gives them an electron, an electronic map. Essentially, it looks just like a, uh, just like any old compass, which is just weird for these advanced robots. And it's also definitely making some uh, some Star Trek noises, which is fun. The Autobots, for whatever reason, decide to bring Grimlock with them into the tunnels, who manages to destroy the uh, the compass, and then also throw the tantrum like again a three year old uh, because he feels he's being picked on for not being bright. So Cup's left to uh, babysit Grimlock, basically, who, of course, is right off into a temper tantrum. Ultramagnus and Rodimus go to find the power so- power source, and they're overtaken. Uh, Rodimus is overtaken by the uh, by malfunctioning, and uh, Ultramagnus just kind of looks on blankly and weirdly. But Grimlock has managed to find the, uh, the 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 control panel that's that's causing all the the, the malfunction. As soon as they enter the room, Cup starts uh, malfunctioning. Now, interesting point here: Grimlock does not. So we're going to guess this is uh, the the, uh, 
the, the malfunction thing only works on people built on Cybertron. As I remember, uh, Grimlock was not. He is built on Earth. And they've established before uh, things that affect Cybertronians don't necessarily affect Dinobots. So it's, it's a nice bit of continuity right there. Anyways, this leads to Grimlock uh, chewing the cables uh, off the, uh, the malfunctioning uh, control panel. And uh, soon afterwards, he's suddenly talking kind of highfalutin. Uh, Cup is confused. Uh, and they go end up helping out uh, Ultra Magnus and Neuronimus. And uh, same thing. Uh, Grim, Grim, everyone's just like, okay, suddenly Grimlock is smart. Okay, we'll deal with this later. Uh, which is immediately uh, followed by, we see uh, Ratbat has been spying on them. The Autobots shoot at him as he flies away, but to no avail. So they know that Galvatron knows whatever it is they've been doing. Uh, Grumlock is uh, hurrying by the Dinobots who are fishing for, I'm, I'm guessing, Robofish. Uh, get some interesting, uh, some interesting uh, background stuff here on Cybertron. Some, uh, some odd drawings. Uh, some some almost Calvin and Hobbes-ish kind of weird alien, to, almost biological-looking uh, buildings, which just kind of looks weird on a, you know, generally kind of square and uh, robotic Cybertron. But at any rate, Grimlock is uh, has no time to wallow in filth with his fellow Dinobots. He has to go work on the problem. You come fish with Dinobots, Grimlock? Please, Snarl, can't you comprehend that I have more urgent matters weighing on my mind? But Dinobots always go fish together. I have to determine the reason the generator in the power core malfunctioned. Some other time, perhaps? Him have to do what? Uh, it's very obvious the uh, the shock of when he bit into these cables has done something to Grimlock's intelligence. I also believe uh, yeah, Swoop is absent from the uh, the fishing scene, and I believe he's absent through most of this episode. And that was always a thing oh, from the movie on uh, season three. It was often the other, you know one Dinobot would just be randomly missing. They they just kind of got tired of having. There's, we don't need to show all five of them every time they're around. You, you get the picture, you know. And they just make sure Grimlock's always there, I guess. But uh, yeah, there, there's no swoop. Uh, we get Skuxoid and uh, Slizardo reporting back to Galvatron. He tells them they failed. Their anti-electrons are we got vaporized, and you know they're total failures. But to save their own hides, said, hey, there's another source of that stuff. If you need more, it's in Unicron's brain. So the the uh, Decepticons go gallivanting off. Meanwhile, Grimlock is the one who manages to figure out uh, the anti-electrons are the cause. Receptor says, oh, why didn't I think of that? And then throwing that shade right back, Grimlock says, because you didn't have the mental capacity, perhaps. Ooh, sassy burn. The information I programmed into the analyzer has been processed. It is just as I suspected. Someone fed anti-electrons into the generator's power circuit. Anti-electrons, of course. They attack our electro circuits. Now, why didn't I think of that? Perhaps because your mental abilities are so limited. Should be noted the uh, the Terracons uh, are with Galvatron and his party that are going into a. Uh, Get to drain this power from uh, Unicron's brain. Galatron is, of course, trepidatious about the whole thing. But uh, it's also that to note that these are the Technobots is, uh, you know, generally who they're paired off as their uh, their big enemies. You know, you know, Scramble City is always kind of a versus. You know, the their defenders versus the war. In this case, it's the it's the beast versus technology. Uh, kind of a. Uh, Always a, a kind of a fun bit of those I liked. So we end up with yet another battle inside the uh, Unicron's head, still in orbit around Cybertron. You know, it wasn't only a too few episodes I was uh, commenting on. They really needed to uh, blow that damn thing up and get rid of it. It's just a, a tourist hazard, I guess you could say, and as we're seeing it here. Uh, anyways, the, the battle is not going good for the Autobots. The Terracons are kind of whipping up on their butts. And, Gal and Grimlock decides to uh, haul off, which seems very out of character. Of course, he's being very out of character. And uh, none of the other characters are really commenting on it. It's uh, just kind of like, oh, wow, Grimlock's smart. Let's not have any discussion about 
Why this sudden change? So uh, Grimlock builds nose cone out of, I'm guessing, crap and spare parts lying around. Uh, I mean, it's no more uh, implausible, I guess, than uh, Starscream with the Combaticons at this point. Uh, but uh, he, he does, Nose Cone is shown with, uh, you know, I guess a, a, a Dinobot level of intelligence. But he is, does seem to be alive, which tells us, you know, again, the, the show is kind of bouncing around between Vector Sigma gives you life. But we also just made these Dinobots. And now this Dinobot just made another life. Very similar to his own, you know, at least in the beginning. It's a very simple uh, creation. Awaken, Nose Cone. I, Grimlock, have created you. Are, are you my father? In a way. Uh, mentally wise, and, uh, you know, one of those things we'll never, I, we just never have a clear uh, guide on in G1 of, uh, you know, how creation of life works. And this just further confuses everything. So, uh, yeah, apparently Grimlock just builds the rest of the Technobots as well. Uh, we are seeing a little personality uh, from them. You know, they're doing the old, the, uh, he ends up doing the old-fashioned roll call. You are all my new creations. I, Grimlock, shall call you the Technobots. Yahoo! It feels great to be a Technobot! My name's Strafe! Far out! Fantastic! I'm Afterburner! I'm raring to burn neutrons and see some heavy action! Mellow out, Afterburner! Says who? They call me Lightspeed, faster than a speeding photon. And you, Scattershot, shall be the leader of the Technobots. Fun little bit, again, just uh, very confusing, uh, you know, if you try to think too hard about, like, you know, just how you make life and uh, and just how quickly he made genius or not. I mean, he just seems to have cobbled these guys together in a couple of hours at best. So I don't know. Uh, kind of it's 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 interesting, uh, but I guess we just chalk it up to Grimlock. It's just that smart. I am too smart. I am too smart. SMRT. I mean, S-M-A-R-R-T. The uh, Technobots run out and join the battle. Uh, we get we get to see uh, Scattershot's uh, tripod uh, cannon uh, in between mode. The uh, the Scramble City uh, big leader guys all always had a, a you know a third mode, uh, which rarely we ever get to see in the cartoon. So that was pretty cool seeing that, especially being a big Technobots fan, just being able to see, seeing bits of their. Uh, the other toy stuff come to life. I remember being very, very tickled by as a kid. And as the Technobots join the fray, uh, Galvatron orders the uh, Terracons to form Abominus, and the Technobots run away, say we can't beat this giant. He says, "Never." F Grimlock tells them, "Never fear. I built the same power into you, and they you can form Computron and buy these toys." Is really screaming out here. Uh, good job on good job on it. I think all around. I am Computron. My computation capacity is nearly infinite. Yet I lack the intelligence to feed my capacity. Grimlock says, "Fear not. I will transfer my uh, brain power to you, and I'll go back to being a regular Grimlock." Said, "No, don't do it." He says, "You're the. It's our only hope of beating Abominus and getting out of here." And thus it's done. Grimlock's back to being Grimlock. Computron is a, a super vast genius computer. You know, figures you know figures a way around Obama's grip strength by by over vibrating him and breaking him back into uh, individual Terracons. And the uh, Decepticons are off. They have issued retreat, and everyone's way 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 happy. That Grimlock's back to being normal. I guess him being a genius is kind of a nerd to everybody. Me, Grimlock, say no fun to be genius all of time. Much more better to be good old Dinobot Grimlock. All is good uh, now that we, especially that they have the Technobots. Uh, the future of Cybertron looks great on this engine that I don't think is ever mentioned again. Overall, uh, it, it, uh, Grimlock's New Brain is a bit of a silly episode, for sure. Uh, there's a lot going on and moving real fast. 
from, you know, getting, you know, it, it takes them so long to get to Grimlock getting the brain. And then, you know, he just kind of builds the Technobots out of nowhere. I mean, it's like, you know, the, 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 the time passage does not feel right. But uh, uh, again, I guess it's something you just kind of chalk up just to the, the, the level of intelligence Grimlock must have had to do that. You know, and again, again, given the uh, how Starscream got the Combaticons and fighting shape on uh, uh, way back when in season two, it's like, you know, it's just, it's just mad. It's, it's just Transformers magic. You just got to accept it sometimes. Uh, but anyways, it's a lot of fun episodes. Uh, I, I like seeing my, my Technobots for a little bit. And, uh, you know, just an, an interesting uh, another delve into, you know, the, the dominating of Grimlock uh, that here in season three. Anyway, that's all Salty Siemens got for now. Back over to you, Ant. And thank you, Gabe. Of course, you can catch Gabe on his YouTube channel, The Salty Sea Man, at youtube.com slash recharge138. Now, I just want to follow this up with a couple of my opinions on the episode. Gabe pretty much hit uh, everything on the head, every nail on the head with uh, some of the things I like about this episode and some of the things I've noticed. Uh, but I do want to mention a few other things. First off, another power generating unit, another one. Didn't we just have one the last episode? And yeah, we'll probably see a few more uh, before the season's out. One line, and we played the line during uh, Gabe's segment uh, from Teletran 3. There's a line in here. Let's listen to it again. Because uh, there's a line in this clip that really just irks me in terms of the writing. What should we do, Teletran 2? Shut down the generator in the power core and repair it. If you do not, all Autobots will start glitching so badly, you will all have to leave Cybertron forever. Does it bother you that Teletran 1's assessment of how the Autobots will be glitching is just so badly? Uh, could you be a little more specific? Could you give a little detail? Can you diagnose the problem a little bit? So badly is a terrible generalization for your supercomputer to be giving you. Also notice that uh, Smart Grimlock, he gets to do a lot of different things. He gets to uh, run computers, he gets to build spaceships, and he gets to be snarky, uh, which is really cool. And also, if you hadn't noticed, Greg Berger, who puts on a stellar performance in this episode, uh, falls back to uh, his Jetfire, uh, Skyfire uh, voice for... Uh, went smart Grimlock. It's also his uh, spirit from G.I. Joe voice. And speaking of smart Grimlock, he is the only, only Transformer to make a drill tank and make it useful. So there we go. Um, actually, I guess he's not. I guess some of the uh, uh, kid stuff books <laughs> with Megatron and Soundwave have made good use of drill tanks. Uh, go back and listen to those. You will not be disappointed. But at least in the cartoon, um, creating Nosecone, who uh, then does transform to his drill tank mode and doesn't use his drill, is uh, also fairly, eh, probably standard, I guess, right? And that's really all of my takes on Grimlock's new brain, a.k.a. Flowers for Grimlock. Let's move on to the next episode. The last episode we will cover in this episode of Transformers University is season three, episode 25, overall episode number 90, Money is Everything by Carla and Jerry Conway. And last time we heard from them was in the episode this season of Forever is a Long Time Coming. Now, this episode starts with a trader ship called the Lazy Sioux, and it is being attacked by hunger. The pilot of that ship is a smuggler by the name of Dirk Manis. <laughs> Manis. And he's got a mayday call with the EDC. Marissa Fairborn and the Technobots are sent out to fight hunger. Usually, you could do that with a sandwich. They defeat hunger. And Dirk Manis, <laughs> Manis meets Marissa and the two flirt. Dirk says the Quintessons have a base on Saturn's moon. And the Technobots... They form Computron, but for a different reason than we normally see combiners formed. 
How long are they gonna keep that up? Till they decide whether to trust you. In Computron mode, Technobots have the computational ability of 200 supercomputers. When it comes to calculating odds, Computron rarely makes a mistake. And if you're a gambling man, but uh, no matter what he says, you trust me, don't you? Uh, not really. Datum, presence and activity of Terracon. Datum, condition of traitorship. Datum, Quintesson intentions toward Earth. Conclusion, probability of Quintesson base secreted in solar system, 89.988730%. Action, repair traitorship, pay traitor's fee. Follow to Quintesson base tomorrow, 0800 hours. Well, since they're not going to leave until the morning, Dirk and Marissa decide to go out to dinner on a date and uh, have a little dancing while they're at it. But it turns out that Dirk has a canister that he is smuggling. Uh, and he has a deal in place with the Quintessons. And he's calling them on his radio to demand triple the price for his services. He also mentions uh, that the Terracons are working for the Quintessons. And he also offers to toss in the Technobots for free. But as he's doing all this... He gets caught by Marissa Fairborn and then fights her off. If you weren't who you are and if I weren't who I am, maybe we could have had something special. But we'll never know, will we? Next morning, Dirk Maness, <laughs> Maness, alongside the Technobots, Scattershot, Strafe, and Lightspeed go out to space to go to Saturn. And... We cut back quickly to Earth where Marissa gets free from uh, being tied up by Dirk. And in space, we find out that Lightspeed is very happy where he is. The stars, the planets, the thousand moons, like jewels in an alien crown. Strength! And Lightspeed really, really takes a uh, shot right there near Saturn. Uh, the Technobots are attacked by Abominus. He then goes after the Lazy Sue. We find out Fairborn has taken to space with the other two Technobots, Afterburner and Nosecone. And the Lazy Sue lands, and Abominus is mysteriously disengaged. So the Terracons are being controlled by the Quintessons. There's really no explanation of how this happened between the last episode and this episode. But it did happen somewhere. Manus, <laughs> Manus meets up with the Quintessons and hands over this device, which is called the Recreator. Um, that is not to be confused with a device called the Recreator, which uh, just makes people relax and have fun. This is the recreator, and the Quintessons test it on Blot. It makes him disappear. Blot feels sick. A molecular disassembler reassembler. Most useful. That's not half. Any germs your buddy might have had inside him are gone now. A healing device as well. Dirk then places a small little device on the recreator as the Quintessons pay him. Hops in a ship and he flies off and the Quintessons flick the little device off of the recreator. Manus finds out that the payment is fake. And the device he had planted on the recreator is called a nuclear nullifier. But a triple cross. While I was planting a bomb on the recreator, they planted one on Lazy Sue. This stinks. Lazy Sue crashes. And it is found by Scattershot Strafe and Lightspeed. And Lightspeed has some demands despite Dirk 
warning him. You're leading us to the Quintesson base, and that's... Oh, poor Lightspeed. Shot twice in the back in one episode. Hell, in the same segment of one episode. By Sharktacons this time. Strafe shoots down some branches and uh, shrubbery to tangle up the Sharktacons, and the Autobots, along with Madness, run. Just then, the other Technobots arrive with Marissa, and they defeat the Sharktacons. Dirk then tells them about the Recreator, and we find out the Technobots are too injured to merge and form Computron to fight Abominus. As they're walking, Marissa and Dirk Manis, <laughs> Manis discuss their relationship. You really hate me, don't you? Whatever gave you that idea? All I ever wanted was the money, Fairborn. It was never anything personal. I like you. I know. That's why I'm mad. See, in spite of all you've done, part of me almost likes you too. Just then, Marissa gets caught in a uh, vine. Dirk tries to rescue her, and uh, they both get pulled up, and Strafe shoots the vines and frees them. As they fall, Dirk Manis, <laughs> Manis lands on top of Marissa. They kiss, and Dirk steals her gun. We find out that he has now captured them and turns them over, uh, being them being Marissa and the Technobots, to the Quintessons. He wants money in a new ship, and we find out that Marissa is not too happy with him. That's all you care about, Dirk. To you, money is everything. And that is how Marissa Fairborn became Superman for the quest for peace. But just then, Dirk fires the recreator on the Technobots. They disappear, and Marissa's furious, so she tries to attack, but the Terracons stop her. In the confusion, Dirk Manis, <laughs> Manis, he reactivates the recreator, revealing his plan. You tricked us! The recreator healed our injuries! Life's just full of surprises. And that means it's time for a combiner fight. Computron realizes that there is a timer mechanism controlling Abominus and shoots it in the middle of Abominus's chest. It causes Abominus to disengage and the Decepticons and the Quintessons flee. On Earth, Marissa and Dirk are saying goodbye and Lightspeed shows up with some news and I assure you he does not get shot right now. Captain Fairborn! We just got word from the EDC vault those creds we took from the Quintessons, they're gone! Dirk, you didn't... Manus! <laughs> Manus. Dirk flies away. But did he get the last laugh? Mimic dust. Fairborn, you conned me! <laughs> and that will just about do it for episode number 80 of Transformers University. Now, you want to keep up with the show, you want to help out the show, you want to help out the website. I'm about to tell you all the ways you can do it, and I promise I will be quick about it. You've heard about the Patreon, patreon.com slash tfuinfo. You can also help us out by using our Amazon links, tfu.info slash Amazon. Anything you buy on Amazon after that, Amazon goes and kicks back a few pennies our way. So if you've got some shopping to do, you got some coronavirus preparation you need to do because, you know, you need that hand sanitizer, you need that antibacterial soap, you need those wet ones wipes they are all severely overpriced on amazon right now so if you need those delivered to you please use our amazon link tfu.info slash amazon of course if you want to just help out the toy archive which is still under redesign tfu.info slash help now finally if you want to follow me you want to follow the show please make sure one you subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen itunes Google Play, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, and of course on the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash TFU info. You want to get in touch with me? Twitter is the best way at TFU underscore info. 
You can also catch me on Instagram, instagram.com slash TFU info and facebook.com slash TFU info. I haven't done our desk bot in a while, but uh, I want to get back on that. I've taken some pictures lately. Uh, I don't have a lot here with me in Orlando, uh, but I have a few things and I think I'm going to start taking a few more pictures and, and doing the daily desk bot for a little while. Maybe it's not daily. Maybe it'll be like every other day, uh, but we'll, we'll see what we can do. Finally, the website www.tfu.info if you haven't been there you haven't been going there i understand i haven't updated in a while but please swing on by the toy archive uh it's a great collection of transformers toy images now next time on the show we are going to go back to the u.s run of the marvel comic covering four issues from 1986 and we're going to do issues number 24 through 27 we may have some major characters die in those comics that uh, we don't necessarily see in the cartoon anymore. Uh, so their fates are a bit different in the comic than they were in, say, Transformers the movie. How different? Well, you have to come back next episode to find out. Until then, I am your host, Anthony Brucali, owner, operator, madman behind TFU.info. Until next time, see ya. Oh boy, I usually only get this excited when they say the title of a movie in the movie. I'm telling you, these drug dealers represent a clear and present danger to the United States. Yeah, yeah, he said it, he said it. All I'm saying is, what if this is as good as it gets? Yeah, yeah, there it is, there it is. The only way for me to solve this crisis is to be Superman 4, the quest for peace. Oh, that's why they call it that.